Hello and welcome to a new year and a new episode of Punk Goes Pod, the internet's leading and only podcast that chronicles the Fearless Records Punk Goes Ellipses series. You faltered a little bit there, but... We ask and answer the age-old question, hell yeah or yeah, not yeah, I realise I was about to say the internet's leading internet that only... (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm happy to take that. Uh, Signifier, label, whatever the hell you want to call it. Look, it can only go up from there. Yes. Um, What's that Simpsons thing? Like... Um... Not, what could possibly go wrong or whatever it is. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> that is the first thing that's gone wrong. <laughs> Although, I never understood if it was supposed to be wholesome or supposed to be funny when Bart's like, this is the worst day of my life and Homer says this is the worst day of your life so far. I think it's meant to just sort of be a thing of like, you're only 10. Hmm. Like, you are going to have so many more. Yeah. Bad days of your life. Yeah, try being a parent. Yeah, or yeah. just try living even longer than 10 years. <laughs> but but no, you are absolutely right. It is a new year. New us, sort of, but not really. Um, new yeah. you, new me. Not yep. really. <laughs> yep. I can uh, wholeheartedly say that I have not changed. Nor have I. You ought to know this. So this week's song is You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette as covered by The Killing Moon for Punk Goes 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, I just want to uh, to, to tell a story today uh, that, that I experienced today. Oh, I am just whew, stuttering all over the place. Um, so I went for a walk and needed to... I was going to get my sister Vashti the Jerry Seinfeld book, but they didn't have it. But I got a carrot because we needed it for our lasagna tonight, and I'm just walking down the street with just a carrot. And I would have... I realised that the idea of... Or the image of me carrying both the Jerry Seinfeld biography and a carrot... (laughs) That makes it better. Might have been a bit too much. I feel like at least that way the viewer could sort of piece together whatever narrative they wanted, whereas it's just a single carrot <laughs> in a bag. Like, still visible, like, through the plastic bag. Because, I, yeah, I didn't even clock what it was when you came in, but then you explained later. I was like, that would have looked quite strange. But, um, yeah, I do like the visual of you with a book about Jerry Seinfeld and a carrot. I Make of that what you will. I walked into Woolworths and... In the area with all the vegetables, they had only bags of carrots. And I'm like, well, I don't need that many carrots. Yeah. And I was just about to storm out. <laughs> and then and then I see them in another fridge, away from sort of everything else, separate carrots. Mm-hmm. And I almost was like, yes. <laughs> and I had to I had to pull back on doing like a fist pump for a single carrot. I it's all about the, celebrating the little things this year. I think. Yeah. I think we need to aim smaller and just take the wins where we find them. Yeah, I think so. So no, I'm very proud that you nabbed your single carrot. I think it really added to the uh, the whole experience of the lasagna tonight. It did. It, so the lasagna was made even better for it. Yeah. Cool. So uh, that wraps up episode one of Lasagna Cast. Yes. 
Uh, we will not talk about Garfield, though. Stop asking us to talk about Garfield. <laughs> no, and no, we do not release on Mondays. No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> that just makes me think of that time that we went to um, the pizza joint down the street and we both wanted lasagna, so I ordered two serves of lasagna and the guy serving us was like, oh, you must really like lasagna then. I was just like, yeah, and I also hate Mondays. He was like, what? And I was just like, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I remember I had a friend in school who he had it, like he was very much into like the far side and he might yeah. have even had some foot rock flats Ugh. and he had a couple of Garfield books. Yeah. And they were so cheesy, the Garfield. They the are. Garfield comics. They just, the one I'm remembering is... He's just like I'm. Garfield's like I'm on a diet. I'm only eating like I'm only eating um, wings at the moment. And then he's like I'm eating pterodactyl wings, and it was like a large. Oh my gosh! Drumstick. It was just like. <laughs> I think the best thing to come out of the Garfield franchise is Garfield without Gar or Garfield minus Garfield. So it's just Garfield, but with photo with Garfield photoshopped out of it, and it just turns into like. John's existential crisis. <laughs> it's very depressing, but very funny. But the, he... Sorry, there's also the uh, I'm sorry, John subreddit, yeah. which, is, which is morphed into more than just Garfield, but it started off as like, Garfield is this eldritch cosmic horror. Mm. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone on Twitter has made um, an account, which is literally just Garfield comics, but the last panel in every single one has been edited. So it's Garfield being thrown out a window. Cool. Yeah. Garfield. This is not... We've done better podcast intros is what I'm getting at. Sure. I think we should talk about the song now. So, Alanis Morissette was born Alanis Nadine Morissette in 1974, and she hails from Ottawa, Canada. Mm. Uh, she got her start in the early 90s with two mildly successful dance pop albums, but it wasn't until she moved to LA for a record deal, and she recorded her third album, Jagged Little Pill, that she adopted more of a rock sound to her music. I tried find like, those albums are not on Spotify. And I was really interested to hear what her dance pop sound was like. Yeah. And I'm sure they're probably on YouTube somewhere. Um, yeah, I wasn't going that far into looking for it, but... It's funny because, like, Jagged Little Pill, and we'll get back to it a bit later on, like, it's such a seminal album that I just assumed that was her debut. Mm. Like, but it's not. Um, and, yeah, I just always associated that sound with her from Day Dot. So yeah, it's bizarre to sort of think that she skewed from that template. 
before we knew her. It's, yeah, so, like, it's so post-grunge that you would have just expected her to have only listened to grunge ever in her life. Like, Mm. it's, yeah. But she would have, she was only in her teens when she was doing those dance pop albums as well. So, yeah, she grew up a little bit, got a little bit more angsty. Yeah, I'm sure this is a question I could answer if I'd actually read up on her, but, like... It'd be interesting to see how much of those early albums was, like, the product of A&R and, like, record labels wanting to put her into a category as opposed to what she wanted to do. Mm. And if this is, like, a more true representation of what she wanted. Or they're doing it the other way around and going, well, yeah, bands like Soundgarden and mm. Alice in Chains exactly. are very popular right now. Let's yeah. do sort of, like, the, the female version of that. I feel like since then she's always been somewhat alt. Like she's yeah. been, like she's firmly planted in like pop if if not just like radio yeah. rock. But it's always sort of been slightly left of center. She's almost like and it's ridiculous to say it because she's not, but it's almost like she's the indie yeah. like megastar. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, I get that. Which actually no, when you consider like later on we'll talk about it, she kind of is very independent, but yeah. Mm. Um, so, as of 2002, Alanis has assumed creative and producing duties for her albums. So that's what I was getting at. Good for her. <laughs> and she has been dubbed the Queen of Alt-Rock Angst by Rolling Stone. Uh, slightly left of centre. I just found this, to be a, I found this to be a fun fact. Her twin brother, Wade Morissette, is a Curtain and indie rock musician. So Curtain in Sanskrit means narrating, reciting, telling, describing of an idea of, or story, specifically in Indian religions. Uh, Wade was also asked in 2004 to be the, inspired, wait, to be the ambassador for Lululemon, a yoga-inspired athletic apparel company that can go fuck itself. Are they not great? They're just, they're very fat phobic and oh, okay. shit. Like they're very much about like health and wellness, and it's just oh, like yeah. yeah. And if you eat a cheeseburger, you're really just enhancing all the toxins in your brain, and and you're becoming a very negative person. It's yeah, sort of stuff like that. Yeah, it's just very like hashtag Fitzbo stuff. But like, I think the founder is quite problematic, and also just fuck Lululemon. So, 2004, would this sort of be, like, the prototype for... And I guess it's kind of a little bit different, but I guess sort of in the same vein as Goop? No, because no? they're literally just active wear just, slash just leisure wear, but yeah. they're very sort of culty almost. Like, yeah. If you have ever worked for Lululemon or if you buy a lot of Lululemon, you fit a very specific personality type i'm getting the idea of like sort of that's right sorry i'm just going to jump in the founder named the company lululemon because he was like it would be really funny to hear a japanese person try and pronounce this so please continue no that's a yikes yeah it's fucked um it 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 makes me think of just like the the very wealthy mums who Mm. wear that sort of stuff and but also like believe in crystals and yeah. the healing power of teas and that sort of stuff. It's, yeah, it's one of those aspirational brands, but by that they mean very exclusionary and exclusive yeah. and shit, basically. I remember 
it's the president of Under Armour. Yes. Who was a huge Trump supporter. Oof. And I don't know if it's good or, or... I don't know who it's sort of like pranking, I guess, or punking the fact that their biggest star that they have sponsored is The Rock. Yeah. Um, like, he wears Under Armour and everything. But right. he's also, like, he voted he voted Democrat in this election. Yeah. So I don't know if it's sort of like, ha-ha, fuck you, you're going to pay me. Or whether it's sort of like, yeah, but, like, you know, I'm also working for a Republican idiot. Yeah, because I hate to bring it up in today's episode, but Under Armour did just post on Twitter, like, denounce or, like, condemning the actions of like they're basically just being like we stand for like equality peace Uh, okay i don't have the quote in front of me but yeah it's very rich that they would say that maybe it's their former president then it was definitely within the last couple of years yeah no i remember that and then it was just very funny because someone had retweeted they're like oh funny like did you see too many like ua logos floating around in all the footage that's coming out like Mm. Fuck you. <laughs> so basically just fuck active wear is what I'm trying to get at today. That's my takeout from this week's episode. I exercise in a pair of like 12 year old Adidas shorts. <laughs> that, I have a pair here and a pair of this very same shorts at my parents' place, but the ones at my parents' place have a huge hole in the ass. Nice. <laughs> just for extra ventilation when you're working out. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I do love a good piece of activewear, but activewear generally doesn't love me because I'm too big for it. But it's fine. Well, I think you look great. Thank you. That's not what we're here to talk about, but I do appreciate it. You mean this podcast isn't designed to boost your ego? Mm, That's a good point, actually. The fact that I've entirely co-opted the Twitter into my own account. (laughs) It's very much... um... You sometimes ask if it's alright if you tweet something. That's true, but mostly if I know it's going to piss people off. I'm like, do you mind potentially having to stand behind this? And you sort of go, I support whatever decision you make. Which is a very kind way of being like, you probably shouldn't post that, but I know you're going to anyway. I support every decision you make. Thank you. Anyway, in 2004... Alanis Morissette was engaged to fellow Canadian and male actor. It makes it sound like she got engaged to fellow male actor. Um, fellow Canadian and male actor Ryan Reynolds, but they split up in 2007. Well, she has acted in stuff. She has. Has she? Yeah, she was. She played God in the movie Dogma, where she... <laughs> basically, like, the idea is that if a human hears God's voice, their head will explode. Matt Damon and Ben... I was going to say Ben Stiller. That, <laughs> Hilarious. That Damon and Ben Affleck yeah. are angels that come down to Earth and become humans and they're like assholes. Oh. And so uh, at the end, yeah, she 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 appears as like, oh, that's God and God's Alanis Morissette. That's cool. Um, Is it meant to be a funny movie? Yeah, yeah. It's a Kevin okay. Smith movie. Ah, oh, okay. And then... Okay, so spoiler alert for a 21-year-old movie or however old it is. Yeah. And then, yeah, she she opens up her mouth and Ben Affleck's head blows up. <laughs> Pretty great. That's wonderful. Uh, in 2010, Alanis married rapper Mario Soli Treadway and they have three children together. Yes. So, do you want to talk about the song? Do you want me to talk about the song? I'm happy to talk about the song. All right. Let me bring it up. So it was the lead single from her third album, Jagged Little Pill, in 1995. We spoke about that just before. Mm-hmm. 
the song was written by Alanis and Basil Glenn Ballard Jr. That's, that's a his, great name. That's his full name. I think he just goes by Glenn Ballard, though. Uh, so he also, he co-wrote The Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Nice. So Morissette has stated that she wrote the song from her subconscious. And, mm-hmm. and she also said, I wasn't aware of what was coming out of me. I'd go into the booth when the ink wasn't even dry and sing. I'd listen the next day and not really remember it. Sick. So this is a this is a, a little factoid I very much enjoyed. And I think it's one of those ones like if you sort of know enough about music you already knew it mm-hmm. but dave navarro uh and i think no i don't think he was in he might have been in red hot chili peppers at the time but dave navarro dave navarro was in red hot chili peppers what? yeah dave ah. navarro was in red hot chili peppers well, there you go. so dave navarro and flea so dave navarro also of jane's addiction yes and flea from red hot chili peppers yes and also played the bully played michael j fox's bully in back to the future Yes. Uh, were recruited to play guitar and bass on the recording. Uh, so Navarro said there were no guide tracks, we just had the vocals to work from, and we basically jammed until we both found something we were happy with. Alanis was also happy. I mean, <laughs> that's a very media-friendly answer, because like, if she wasn't happy, they would have had to have kept jamming. <laughs> I, love the, I, love the, <laughs> I love this idea of, of like purgatory is just... Dave Navarro and Flea just jamming in perpetuity, finding <laughs> finding that right tune for Alanis Morissette. And we all have to listen. I do like the idea of them just like jamming something out and then being like, well, that's us, bye. <laughs> like without clearing it with her first. But it's always funny hearing about like artist collabs. Like I know, like when just to sideline, like Taylor Swift collaborated with Imogen Heap. And I can't remember what the wording was, but there was just, I got the very distinct feeling that, like, Image and Heap might have clashed a bit with her in terms of just oh, their okay. writing process. Yeah. Like, the words that were shared be- between the two of them about each other were very polite, but I just got the feeling that, like, she might have been rubbed the wrong way by it. And it's just very funny to watch artists be diplomatic about things. Maybe they, um, yeah, maybe one of them, like, railroaded the the writing process or something i don't know mm. i also very much enjoy the idea of shipping alanis morissette and dave navarro i love dave navarro like just we know that dave navarro well, we get the the full distinct idea that dave navarro is a freak <laughs> in the best possible way uh some of the stuff like that we've seen on ink master he also he also MC'd or hosted like every adult video awards for years. He's so great. I, I love the idea of him just being like listening to the lyrics and being like, hey, Alanis, why don't you just uh, come into my car with me? <laughs> Listen to uh, some of my guitar tracks. Maybe I'll hang up on some hooks in the warehouse. Let's go hang out. Let's, let's literally, you can uh, put the hooks in me and I'll, and I'll hang from my skin. That do anything for you, Alanis? No. Why are you leaving, Alanis? So it has never been revealed who the ex-partner was. The song written about. It was Alanis never never revealed who the song was about, and it wasn't about Dave Navarro. No. Funnily enough, (laughs) unfortunately, it was not about Dave Navarro. But in a 2008 interview, she would. she would not reveal the identity as the song was more personal expression for her. 
<laughs> Do you mind if I just run that sentence back again? Yes. In a 2008 interview, Alanis noted that she would not reveal the person's identity as the song was more of a personal expression for her. Very good. So Alanis's ex-boyfriend, Dave Coulier, both confirmed, then later denied being the ex in the song. That's such a dick move. There have been rumours about who the song is about. Uh, so hockey player for the New Jersey Devils, Mike Peluso, Matt LeBlanc from Friends... <laughs> Who appeared in the video for her song Walk Away from one of her previous albums. How you doing? And even Canadian singer Leslie Howe. Well, shit. Mmm. <laughs> I love this idea of it's like, who's the song about? Who is it about? Who is it about? Is Dave Coulier the Full House guy? I've heard the name. I think he is... Um, he's like a comedian or an actor or something. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a name that we get over here in Australia, but... Uh, so yes better known as uncle joey gladstone from full house ah well there you go full house used to play after school everywhere you look john anyway 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 anyway. so the song reached number four on the aria charts number six in canada surprisingly number three in new zealand number six on the u.s billboard hot 100 Mm -hmm. so the film clip was directed by nick egan who also did Bored by the Deftones, In Excesses, Don't Lose Your Head, and Silverchairs, Abuse Me, and Uncle Crackers, Follow Me. Remember Uncle Cracker? I'm definitely picking up a an aesthetic <laughs> that ties the four of those videos together. <laughs> they are all very... That auto theory is just proving itself 100% correct right now. Um, Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins appears in the film clip as Alanis' band's drummer. Uh-huh. Uh, so the clip was also filmed in the Mojave Desert. Sick. And I didn't realise this, but apparently this is also very common knowledge that in 2013 a musical was created for Jagged Little Pill. So before we keep going, I think we need to pause and talk a bit more about Jagged Little Pill because it is such a cultural institution. Yeah. So, yeah, the Jagged Little Pill musical was... The book was written by Cody Diablo, who... Diablo Cody. (laughs) Ha ha ha, shit. (laughs) That's the one. My god. Ah, what a day. Um, where are we? So, yeah, Diablo Cody, that's the one. Who you might recognise that name from the films Juno, Jennifer's Body, and Whippet, I think? Mm -hmm. Um, and I tried to like read up on the plot summary just to get a basic overview, but it's very, very detailed, but by all accounts, it's a, like, it sounds like a good musical, like for instance, Rolling Stone awarded the production four out of five stars, writing that although the show feels overly woke at times and wears its earnestness on its sleeve, Jagged Little Girl burns with passion and enthusiastic beauty. And the show was nominated for 15 Tony Awards. So, yeah. I'd love to, like, give it a watch at some point if there's any way that I can. Mm. Um, no idea if slash when that would happen. But, um, yeah. Anyway. If you could turn anything into a musical, what would it be? And it doesn't need to be, like, an album or a musical, whatever, but... I feel like Taylor Swift songs would make a very good musical. Yeah. But also, 
that feels too obvious almost. Like, it's just mm. like, well, of course they would. Like, I don't know. Um, I could see it, though. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Or, like, I'd love to see, like, a production of, like, The Black Parade or something like that. I could also see that as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, those would be my two mains. Because American Idiot has already been done. And it was wonderful. Um, yeah, what about you? Well, the perfect ones have already been created. Yeah. Shrek. Yes. The musical. Yes. And Spider-Man Turn Up the Dark. I really want to see that. I, well, we can't anymore. I know. I've, I wanted to see it as well. There's like 70 Spider-Man. I know. Apparently, like, some of the, the acrobatics and stuff were insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you'd have to, like... You couldn't do a Spider-Man musical where they're all just, like, on the ground the whole time. Yeah. There would have to be some sort of, like, acrobatics and stuff. I... I reckon you could do... You, someone could definitely put together, I reckon, a lot of the Tom Cruise movies into a musical. Ugh. And not like Tom Cruise the person. Like, you don't need to go into Scientology, but like the movies. Yeah. And I, I just want to see how homoerotic I could get. Okay. Especially the volleyball scene from Top Gun. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> we should get back to Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. So, it's, like, yeah, like I said, it feels like it's her debut just because it was so huge at the time. And it felt like, to me, it was her debut. Like, I was like, oh, she had dance... I thought maybe she might have had some EPs or some demos. I was like, oh, she had dance albums? Dance pop albums before this? But yeah, it had six singles from it. Um, Yeah, You Ought to Know, Hand in My Pocket, Ironic... A banger of a song you learn, head mm-hmm. over feet, all I really want. And it topped the charts in 13 countries, selling over 33 million copies worldwide. So it's considered one of the best-selling albums of all time, and it made Morissette the first Canadian to achieve double diamond sales. Uh, Jagged Little Pill, I'm just reading off Wikipedia at this point, was nominated for nine Grammy Awards, winning five, including Album of the Year, which made... 21-year-old Morissette, the youngest artist at the time to win the top honour. Didn't then Lord win it? I think she might. I think she have. did. For whatever album it was that she did when she was 17. Mm. Um, Rolling Stone ranked the album at best number, number 69 on nice. its 2020 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. And... Where was it? There was something else that I saw that was very good. I feel like they need to, like, full tongue-in-cheek make that a sexy album, though. What? Number 69. <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, it's made a bunch of just those sort of, not definitive, but, like, very popular rankings. So, like, Rolling Stone again ranked it at number 31 on its Women in Rock, the 50 Essential Albums list. Uh, in two thousand three, they ranked at number three hundred and twenty-seven on its five hundred greatest albums of all time. The album was also included in that book, A Thousand and One Melbums. That'll do. A Thousand and One Melbums. You must hear before you die. <laughs> that's uh, that's what my mum calls an album that she makes. Yeah, a Melbum. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have a copy of Jagged Little Pill? I do. I um, would have not... I'm not surprised. I... Because mum and dad had it on cassette when I was a kid. Nice. So I remember listening to it at some point. Like, 
I remember vibing to it at the time, but obviously because I was a kid, like I wasn't mm. sort of picking up on that very sort of feminist kind of just aggro quality to it like i think now we're just starting to like lapse into like the song slash the album but like to me it feels like one of the earlier examples of like just anger aggression resentment from a woman that was received well yeah and again like I'm sure there would be an argument there in terms of just, like, intersectionality and stuff, like, maybe because she fits the demographic, like, she's a white woman. Mm. She's more allowed to be angry than a black woman, for example. But still, for the time, I think it was quite radical. Yeah, and I think it's... Not that it's any form of, like... Not that it should be used for any sort of form of measuring success or anything, but I also felt like... This might be a bit of a bold statement, but it it was her music back then was also kind of like cool for boys to listen to as yeah, well. Yeah. Like boys listen to Alanis Morissette, whereas you wouldn't have really had too many boys listening to, you know, people like Madonna, for instance. Mm. Um but yeah, I can definitely remember my sister definitely owned this C D. Yeah. And I can much like the um the Stone Temple Pilots, Pilots mm-hmm. episode that we did, I can see this on the ground of her bedroom, which had heaps of just candle wax because she would just burn candles <laughs> on the carpet in her bedroom. And so, yeah, there's there's um, Dirt by Alice in Chains and yep. King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime by Faith No More. And, and yeah, then there's Jagged Little Pill just sitting on the ground yep. in her bedroom. Um, yeah, definitely it was... It was very, I don't want to say revolutionary or anything, but very sort of, yeah, kind of eye-opening for teenage girls, I yeah. feel. Well, I feel like it was a nice diversion from, again, just the sausage party that was like grunge slash alt-rock yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Like, here's a woman doing it and fucking nailing it. Mm. And doesn't have to all be just like mopey, sad dudes. Like, yeah, he was a woman. He is a woman who is angry, angry, and she wants people to hear that. And it was refreshing. As yeah, well. yeah. This is yeah, because this is one of those ones. Like, I can definitely remember being there for it. Yeah, when I was six. So, I remember hearing singles on the radio and stuff like that. Like, I mm. remember, like, yeah. I feel like I was a little bit too young to sort of register. Like, yes. This is Alanis, how great. But, like, the fact that it was just always a in my periphery. Like, yeah, it's definitely been a case of, like, the older I get, the more I appreciate this album specifically. I need to listen to it again as a 29-year-old, which yeah. I didn't do in prep for this, which was quite dumb of me, but, yeah. I guess we should just sort of get into the song then. Just quickly. I just want to talk about, so, again, thank you, Wikipedia. So, um, Jagged Little Pill, notably its success, is also credited with leading to the introduction of female singers such as Shakira, Tracy Bonham, Meredith Brooks, and in the early 2000s, Pink, Michelle Branch, and fellow Canadian Avril Lavigne. Hmm. Uh, Katy Perry also cites Jagged Little Pill as a significant musical inspiration, which absolutely checks out with Katie's early stuff. Like, 
if you've watched the Part of Me documentary, they talk about her beginnings as a very Alanis Morissette type singer. Like, she did alt-rock for a patch. Um, And, yeah, to quote Katie, uh, she said... Jagged Little Pill was the most perfect female record ever made. There's a song for anyone on that record. I relate to all those songs. They're still so timeless. And Kelly Clarkson has also noted the album's influence on her, saying it made me a better writer, it made me a better singer. Hmm. So, And I also, like, last year listening to an interesting tie in terms of next week's episode, Hayley Williams's Pedals for Armour project last year. Like, I definitely get Alana's vibes from that as well. Okay, yeah. Like, again, it might not be an explicit tie, but I feel like this is one of those albums that just sort of has that ripple effect. Yeah, so so generational as well. Yeah. Yeah, going a couple of generations past, you know, where she was. Yeah. I mean, she's still around. She released an album last year, but... Mm. um, Yeah, so I guess now we'll just sort of lead into this song. Yeah. Um... And one of the things that I did want to say as well, and I again, I could be completely wrong. Um, like I don't want to say it was the first thing that people like made people aware about sex because I had I hadn't listened to this song for a while and I'd forgotten how much she talks about sex in this. Song. I know, yeah. And I feel like it sort of normalizes the idea of you know sex with your partner can be very fun, like mm. it should be fun. Yeah. Um, does it need to be this taboo like? you know have to wait till marriage or whatever and if you break up you're probably gonna have another sexual partner at some point down the line yeah um you know she she sort of goes into that it definitely yeah like cuts through that sort of almost like cotton wool that's put up around the idea of like a romantic relationship and everything that entails like yes like sex with your partner is slash can be a sacred thing, but also if that relationship fails, like that's not the be all end all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it is very sort of empowering and liberating in that sense. It is, but it, like she's very well. Yeah, she she as the line you know um, the cross that I bear that she gave to me. Yeah, did, what is it? The, the cross. Yeah, the cross I bear that you gave to me. And the, you, you deny me the cross that yeah. I bear. Yeah, which is sort of saying like... Because I'm getting the idea that the the partner cheated on her or left yeah. her for someone else. Yeah. And and she's trying to talk to him and tell her how she feels and he's blowing it off going, well, well obviously this wasn't like that important. This wasn't a big deal. And she's she's furious over the fact that he's... He's not understanding yeah. what's going on with her, and that she's not okay with all of this. Yeah, um, I just think that it's it's not f- f- maybe a little bit funny, but like we like last week's song, last year's song, yes, um, was also another breakup song. Yeah, and it's like Adele's maybe another one that I wouldn't be terribly surprised if there was a bit of an Alanis Morissette yeah. influence there. But this just has so much more raw anger to it than yeah. Rolling in the Deep does. Yeah. Uh, granted, I still think Rolling in the Deep is a great song, but this just... And even just, like, the last time we were listening to it before recording, it was like, oh, I can really feel how angry she is yeah. in this song, and it's terrific. Yeah. It's... I think this is the kind of stuff that 
And again, just to harp on it, like, this is the kind of stuff that I needed more of when I was a teenager instead of listening to hundreds of dudes just being like, oh, you fucking bitch. Like, Mm. this is a kind of anger that still wasn't really allowed in the scene or, like, wasn't allowed as a girl, isn't allowed as a woman. Mm. Like, yeah, just hearing that very bitter, like angry tone is refreshing for anyone who has ever been sort of told that their feelings aren't valid. Yeah. Like I've been this person yelling not yelling but like getting angry at a guy for the way they treated me and then being like what are you talking like you need to calm down like this wasn't. I'm sorry. (laughs) But yeah like if yeah any any person, but most, like, I feel like more to the point, like, any woman who has been in this kind of scenario where you are the sort of, what's the word, jilted lover kind mm. of thing, like, this is such a refreshing take where, yeah, she embodies that just, yeah, that anger, like, and makes it okay when, yeah. A lot, like, in reality, it's usually not received well, because how dare you something something. Like, yeah. I'm finding it really hard to put words in my mouth about this. I just like that, and I don't want to say it's petty, but at the same time, like, it was written by a 21-year-old, so, like, your viewpoint on things is very different as opposed to when you're 31, 41, 51. Mm. Um... But just, like, how she kind of... She outs herself as being a bit of a freak. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, in the sort of vein of, like, I'm a freak and you will never have as good as me as well. Yeah. And I don't think she expressly says that, but it's just very much implied, like, how is she? How is she compared to me? Yeah. Like, is she perverted like me? Would she go down on you in a theatre? It's like, whoa! Like, yeah. that's a big thing to come out with, she's like, a, up top. She's a dirty fish and chip shop girl. <laughs> like... Her, her and Trent Reznor need to, uh... <laughs> do a crossover, if you know what I mean, or a cross into. Oh, but it just... I think, yeah, there's that sort of... Not, like, it's not a lack of self-awareness, but it definitely... Yeah, it's reminiscent of that point where you're just so angry at someone, but you don't care how stupid you look. Like, yeah, I've definitely read back over old like message logs and just been like, "Oh my god!" Did you did you ever like say to a jilted ex, "Mr. Duplicity"? <laughs> it's so good because it's like, yeah, like women should be allowed to have space to get mad and get yeah, absolutely get petty and get kind of ridiculous. Yeah, like. Without their feelings being invalidated or without being gaslit into like, oh, but what did you think this was? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just... Like, yeah, I think... Well, yeah, when I was 20... Well, no, when I was 21, I was with you. But, like, when I was 20, like, I really could have done with, like, giving this song a few spins before I unleashed my vitriol. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's just, yeah. I think my favourite turn of phrase in it is... Does she know how you told me you'd hold me until you died, but you're still alive? It's just like, yeah. mm, so good. I I like, um, 
I'm sorry to bug you during the middle of dinner. And it just puts me in this, like, it gives, paints this picture in my mind that wherever this guy goes, Alanis Morissette is following with a band. I love just it. Just not with the, not with the boombox playing outside his bedroom, but Just like with Dave Navarro and Flynn. Constantly following him. <laughs> playing, and like, and, and, sh- uh, yeah, all right, no, I won't say that, but like, it's implied that her and Dave Navarro are like banging because Dave Navarro was better than any man alive. Any man. I'm sorry. He is the best man. Yes. Alright. If, if you end up with Dave Navarro, you've won. Exactly. But yeah, it's just, it's good. Like, I wish I had better words to describe how much I appreciate this song just for being a space for those feelings to exist. Mm. Like the ugly side of things where you're not happy for the other person, where you're not where you're not going to sort of turn the other cheek or be polite because fuck it. And this might be the first time that I've ever really heard and felt sarcasm in a song as well. Because her opening line is I'm happy for you both. Yeah. Yeah. I want want you to know know that I'm happy for you. Yeah. Like it's just I do think that they, Dave Navarro and Flea, do add quite a bit. Like it makes this, like the string section, like have a bit more flavour to it than just being a pretty sort of bland. Yeah. String section. I don't know. I um. I I can't. Like she is definitely a very good singer, but there was also that sort of. I wonder if her and the girl from the Cranberries ever fought because they kind of had that same sort of like almost like whining, like yodeling kind of style to their voice. I feel like for the Cranberries, I feel really terrible. I can't remember her name right now. Um, Shirley Manson was from Garbage. No, it was... Cat has stumbled out wanting dinner. Your bowl is full, though. Dolores O'Riordan. I'm not sure if I've... Wow. Any that's... Irish listeners out there, tell us I'm if, very we, sorry. if we've butchered that or not. But I feel like hers is mostly because of the Irish accent. Oh, yeah. Whereas Alanis is definitely putting on a sort of cadence. Yeah. That isn't natural to being a Canadian, mm. I would have thought. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Any Canadians out there, tell us if we're wrong. Exactly. <laughs> or if there's any Canadians out there, just say hey. Exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll listen to you. Um, I had forgotten that, because when we were leading up to this and I said to you, do you think the film clip has a weird colour palette or not? Mm. And you said you did, and I said, no, it doesn't. And then you watch, we watched it and it was like, oh, it kind of does, actually. <laughs> it does. It's not as, like... Obvious. It's not a very strong, like sepia tone, but there's something there. It's just that color saturation. Yeah, I think a lot of it as well is because, um, like they're out in the desert, and then she's in like a field of like red and blue flowers, and it's just like these hugely vibrant colors. I uh, the like... flowers were yellow. Oh, were they? I thought it was like yellow flowers with a blue sky. I don't know. It doesn't matter. No, it, it really doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It just has that very quintessential 90s look to it. Mm. Like, 
As oh yeah, hundred percent. Watching and I was just like, I just want to be there so desperately. <laughs> it was just a much simpler time. If I was, if I could uh, go back, then I'd say, hey, young Sam, crush on Alanis Morissette, why don't you? Because <laughs> I did not. Mm-hmm. Shall we talk about the Killing Moon? Yeah. Could not find too much about the Killing Moon. Uh, really, sort of hmm, not ab- not obscure, but even like their bio page on. I think it was um, don't don't think it was Last FM. I can't remember. Um, but where I was looking them up, it was basically it just said the band formed in Hampton, Maine, America. There was when I looked them up on Wikipedia. There's a female fronted death metal band called Killing Moon. That's not uh, them. It's not them. Um, the, the Wikipedia page also said that the band specializes in the death growl. Well, yeah, most death metal bands do that. Um, but it's really interesting because they do have, like, the only release I could find that I could listen to was their 2006 EP. And I listened to that probably, like, two or three times leading up to this episode. Mm. It only goes like 20 minutes and it's really good. Yeah. It's like, it, it sounds both very, very similar to a lot of other bands like boys, like it's just a little bit sort of B tier screamo bands, sort of like, like boys night out, a static lullaby, Bayside, mm-hmm. those sorts of bands. Um, the ones who sort of felt like had to take, and this is going to sound wrong, but like maybe a bit more of a risk or whatnot. Um, but yet at the same time, their sound is wholly their own and they have a saxophone player and and in no way does it feel gimmicky. Like it doesn't feel like a ska band or anything like that. It is entirely, yeah, like a screamo band. Yeah. Um, and his singing is just super, just super interesting. It's almost like, it's almost like some of the metal, like new metal kind of like lead singers. Also kind of reminds me of a little bit of... And he's super-duper cancelled Ian Watkins from Lost oh. Prophets. Um, not going to say what he did on microphone. No. Um, fuck him. But, yeah, it's just like... It just... I'm just scratching my head as to how this didn't work. How they're not known, even in like the sort of like lower tier level of... You know, still very solid screamo bands, but like... Mm. Or emo bands, but 
you can only really have one My Chemical Romance. Yeah. You know. Except My Chem don't have horns. No. That's <laughs> fine. They don't. Yeah, I know. I'm No, but that's what it like... I see what you mean, though, is like... Maybe they would be enhanced by horns. <laughs> How dare you. Um... Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on it. Like, I yeah. must admit when I heard the horns, I was like, huh, that's kind of scar. But, like, I think that's just because I've been conditioned to think horns equals scar. Yeah, but, like, it, yeah, it, it's really, it's, it's, and I know you, you, we're not harping on it, but, like, it's not, though. Because it doesn't have, like, the reggae guitar as well. I know. To go with it, so, yeah. I am aware of the components of scar music. I know. <laughs> My phone has died, so you're going to have to lead the rest of the conversation because I don't have my talking points. Oh, that's fine. Um, well, what do you think of the the song? The cover? I like it. Yeah? I, again, I don't have the words to sort of put together why I like it. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I appreciate the earnestness of it. I appreciate just the layers to it almost. Like, mm. it's very dynamic for a cover. That could have literally just been guitars and yelling over the top of it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think this is great. I, um, I definitely needed to hear, at this stage of my life, a breakdown with a saxophone in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was maybe a little bit too early for that, but there's no... He does have a bit of a shouty voice. But I think it yeah. really works for the song because it's a very emotional song. Yeah. And he doesn't change the pronouns. Yeah. So I feel like it's very respectful of the source material. I feel like it's very yeah. respectful. And again, it's that thing of like, as I said, boys listened to Alanis Morissette. They probably listened to Alanis Morissette. Yeah. You know, growing up. So I, I, I feel like there's enough. I feel like they've thought this through enough. Yeah. And and yeah, like I feel like they definitely match the emotion and everything yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I just um It's one of those songs you have to buy into it. You can't half ass mm. it or else it's gonna show. And the when they're doing the chorus at the end and then they, they halve the, the timing of it, it just makes me want to go see a show. Like I just wanna see a band and maybe I would actually get into the you know, the mosh pit. I know, I miss shows. Yeah, like, it would just, um, I'd just like to, to see someone play, and I would see someone fun. Um, but yeah, no, I just think it's, it's just so strange to me that they didn't go anywhere, sort mm. of, after this. I couldn't even see if they were still together or not. I'm assuming that they're not. Yeah, I think I saw that they'd signed to Fearless in, like, 2005 or something. Yeah. So, Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, they did their EP in two thousand six. Yeah. And this came out. This album came out in two thousand six. Yeah, it's just it's it's interesting the amount of bands that we've encountered that just sort of tapered off. Yeah. And like, not in a horrible sense, but just literally, like there was just no room for them. Yeah. But then it feels like maybe it was poor timing because now there should be room for them, mm. but still there isn't. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, I just, um, if they, you know, if they were to release an album tomorrow, I think that would be great, but unfortunately, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 
we have other covers. We do. Uh, to start things off, we have not one, not two, but a thousand Mona Lisas. Yes. think i like this one yeah i know that i literally just said i appreciate how the killing moon did a version that isn't just guitars and yelling but that's what this is and it's great it's just like i could also see this on a punk goes and i'd be like sick this this would be in the first punk goes pop yeah this would be one of those bands that yeah is sort of no thrills no frills whatever Mm. it is yeah no frills no frills um yeah, I I just, I like it. It's that brand of punk where it does what it says on the box, so I'm just like, yep, cool, love it. Mm. Probably yeah. won't listen to it on a loop ever, but if I ever came across it again, I would enjoy it. Yeah, just, it's, yeah, as you said, as does what it says on the box. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. That is okay. <laughs> uh, next is a favourite of yours. Mm-hmm. One Britney Spears. tend to take the depressing view on things a lot just because I that's my worldview unfortunately but like it just makes me sad to see performances like this where like like Britney like her 2007 like post 2007 work is still good but just Mm. whenever she's brought out to perform or was I should say it makes it sound so bad as well when she's brought out to perform well that's the thing is like it just it and I know, like, I know that there's not an exaggeration there. It's no, just... and I'm not trying to be mean. Sorry, I'm just shuffling around in my seat. Like, I'm not even trying to be mean about it, but it just... There's just something about... Like, yeah. In 2007, like, the switch sort of flipped, and yeah. she was never quite the same again, and she still isn't. Mm. And so, like, seeing things like this, we're like... To be fair, it's a fan video that someone's pulled together, or, like, multiple ones, maybe pulled it together, edited it to make it very seamless and smooth. But, like, in that sense, you can just hear a lot of, like, audience screaming over the top and stuff like that. But she's nailing it, like, because she's a bloody good singer. Like, that's why she was picked up and why she skyrocketed. But, like, there's also not much life to her. Yeah, it just... 
And for the most part, it's just her in front of a microphone, which seems for Britney Spears, like that's really pulled back. And then eventually four uh, male dancers come up through the stage. Yeah. Even they look bored. Well, that they sort of look like they're fulfilling their obligation to do the choreo, but Britney again, like she's going through the motions, but it's just not there. Yeah. And it just, I don't know, like I'm sure other people would have a more nuanced view on this, but a lot of the time any sort of Britney performances after the incidents, like when... Mm. Which is, this is when it was. This was 2009. Yeah. Circus tour. Yeah. Like, yeah. it just... She never quite got back to where she's left off, if that makes sense. Yeah, which is a damn shame. Yeah, yeah. because she's fucking brilliant. Yeah. But then it just... It's just those little details. Like, she's sort of... Yeah, just kind of standing there, like... Her hair is a bit sort of matted on, like just the extensions mm. are looking a bit like it's basically she hasn't improved any since we last saw her at her prime. And that just makes me really sad because, yeah, yeah like she is still fighting to get her conservatorship like overturned or whatever it is, hasn't succeeded so far. It's just like, fuck, like. Because there was just so much more to her than just a pop star. Like, yeah. she was very witty and intelligent and, and again, like, that shouldn't mean anything overly profound. But, like, yeah, there was just something very special about Britney. And, like, even here, like, I can see that there's something special, but it's just... But also, fucking hell. Like, yeah. what a trajectory. It's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I and don't know. I feel like it fulfills the goal of when someone like this does a cover song. Yeah. Which is to get the crowd to sing. Yeah. To get a reaction out of the crowd and to, to you know, have a moment with them. Um, although I guess, you know, the crowd would also probably sing the entirety of Britney's catalogue. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like it does that job. As you said, she nails it, but it's just so... From what I've seen of her, it's just so lifeless. Yeah. And... And it's not like... It, it just feels like she doesn't want to be there. Like, she doesn't want to, yeah. you know, put that out there. And yeah. And it's an interesting choice of song because... Rightfully, like, Britney... If she has a lot of anger, like, rightfully so kind of thing. Like, it's an interesting song choice. But there's not an opportunity to sort of take anything from that because mm. it's muted. Yeah. And I'm probably a horrible person, but in my mind I've sort of... She's sort of never really aged out of Hit Me Baby One More Time. In right. my mind. So, like, it is super bizarre to hear her talking about, you know, going down on a guy in a theatre. Like, mm. it's kind of strange. And I know that's not the crux of the song. I know that the, the song's not about blowjobs in movie theatres, but... I think, like, for me, within that context, it does make sense that she would have picked this song because, like, Blackout in particular and then Circus and, like, here, like, they do get quite sort of overtly sexual mm. almost. Like, there was If You See Gamey and, like, songs like that where she was able to sort of take kind of being a bit more risque than was the norm at the time and sort of 
make it Britney, like make it work. So like yeah. it makes sense in that. Um, but way. see, like you're someone who has her discography, whereas I haven't. Yeah, I okay. kind of tuned out around about the time that she did as well. Almost. Yeah. I know that sounds really horrible, but no, but like I can't. I just I like to remember her as she had a she had a mental breakdown, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not something that you should apologize for. It's something that we, you know, it's like... It's just, yeah, it's just things like this that just make me sad for how much everyone around her failed her. Yeah. Especially her dad. Oh, yeah. Her dad can go fuck himself. Yeah. But, um... Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's... I feel like there's something to be drawn from the song choice within the context of where she was at at the time. Like, how much of that was her decision versus whatever the fuck else. Like, mm. but again, it kind of doesn't feel right to be making much comment on it because we genuinely have no idea. And I'm a terrible journalist. I didn't do my research, but there is a video of Alanis Morissette reacting to this. And I don't know if she likes it or doesn't like it. I, oh. <laughs> I'm not going to look at that because either she won't like it and I'll be sad or she'll do a very polite, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'll still be sad. Um, I mean, judging by the last song, the last one, she doesn't like this song anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. So the last one is at the 2015 AMA, so 20 years after Jagged Little Pill was released. Uh, Alanis Morissette did a version of You Ought to Know with Demi Lovato. Mm. And there's just something so bad about this. It is not good. It's not just something, it's some things. There's quite a lot that's bad about this. It just... So... I'll get the ball rolling and then please just feel free to jump in if I'm missing anything. But yeah. like, so you've got a woman who has absolutely aged out of the mindset that she was in when she first wrote it. I mean, she was a happily, well, we assume happily, but she's a, she's a mother of three and yeah. a wife at that, at the point that she's doing this in 2015. Yeah. yeah. And like having to sort of re-conjure up those feelings and like emote and everything. Yeah. Which... Technically, she still sings very well, obviously, because that's what she does. But, like, it's it's a copy. Like, yeah. it's not... She's not the same person. So, of course, like, it's not going to sound and feel the same. And then, like, the production value of just the stage setup and, like, the session musicians or her band or whatever, like, it's just so weak. Like, they slow it down a little bit. It just kind of sounds like 
I don't know, like something you'd hear on like Gold FM, like yeah. a sort of classic, like. Oh, even Gold FM plays Green Day now, though. So I know, and that makes me so, so that, sad. That has, that has a bit more energy to it. This just, yeah, it just it's lacking in so much. Like it just needs to. It's an angry song that needs to be angry. And if you can't do that anger anymore, then don't do it anymore. Yeah, it's fine. You're a mum in your forties now. That's the thing. Is like. This was or is to, she in her 50s? No, 40s. This is to celebrate her album. Like, do something like Hand in My Pocket. Do something like Thank You. Do something like... Ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Like, literally any of the other ones that don't tap into this very distinct sense of just vitriol. Yeah. That you don't have anymore because, of course, you don't. You've grown up and things are better for you now. Yeah. Like, and then you've got Demi Lovato, who was very good, and she occupies that same sort of... I guess, space that Alanis did at the time when she wrote it. And she's a very good singer. But again, like, the two of them just aren't engaging with one another much beyond sort of just stalking past each other as they walk from, like, one side of the stage to the other. So, like, I feel like Demi Lovato brings a a little kick of energy to it when she comes in, but not enough to wake it up. But yet, the, the entirety of the thing is they just keep walking past each other. Like, do they hate each other? It just and then finally they start sort of engaged, like at the very last chorus, then Demi finally kicks in with like some harmonies. Yeah. But it's just like it's just such a wasted opportunity. Like they just there were so many opportunities to just beef it up a bit more and they just don't. Do you think perhaps at the AMAs they said, Okay, cool, so Alanis, this is twentieth this is your twentieth anniversary of Jagged Little Pill uh, we would love for you to play You Want to Know. Um, you're going to be sharing the stage with Demi Lovato, though, and that pissed her off. Do you think there's a little bit of maybe resentment that she had to share the stage with someone else for her song? I don't even know if there's that. It just feels like... It's almost, it's almost like she's purposefully just lacking motivation to be there. It's... Because, like, the vocals are... Like I said, like, the vocals are still there. And, like, Demi's vocals are good as... Like, technically they're both delivering that, but there's no emotion behind it. Demi's Mm. trying to sort of conjure that up, but Alanis is just, like, going through the motions of it. Yeah. Because she's sung this song a million times, and that makes sense, I guess. Mm. But just... Yeah, I don't know. There's just... It was very frustrating. Because, like, you could... Like, and Demi... I don't know, like, I don't listen much to Demi's solo stuff just because I never really got into, like... She has some good songs, like, Cool for the Summer Slaps, like... And she is known for sort of doing crossovers with, like, more sort of quote-unquote, like, punk or pop-punk sort of bands. She listens to death metal, so she's cool in my book. Sick. But yeah, like, she's collabed with Fall Out Boy, she's collabed with We The Kings, like, she's done her... She's done the rounds in, like, the scenes mm. that I used to fuck with, that kind of thing. Yeah. She's got the musical chops there, but they didn't give her any space to do anything with them. Even if it had been Demi on her own, covering it as a tribute to Alanis, that yeah. would have been cool. Yeah. But obviously they wanted to have Alanis there as well, and it just... It was boring. It would have been awkward if Alanis Morissette was singing... Uh, singing, sitting in the crowd, though, watching someone else perform her song. Yeah. And... Yeah, I could see that they definitely wanted to do, like, a generational thing of, like, well... Like, handing over the baton almost. Yeah, like, yeah. passing the torch. Like, yeah. Uh, sorry. Sorry, Alanis. I still think you're great, but, like, 
out with the old in with the new almost. Like, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing is like they probably, I imagine there was some sort of marketing element to this of like, Demi, you're the new Alanis now. Mm. Off you go. Like, but it just didn't register. No. Yeah. And that's fine. We have the, we have the original, which I'm giving a hell yeah to. Yes, I'm giving a hell yeah as well. And I'm giving a hell yeah to The Killing Moon as well. As am I. Cool. And it's it's that thing that, you know, when people complain about new Star Wars movies, it's like, well, you've got the three good ones. Just watch those if you're really yeah. upset. It's like it's like that with this. You know, we've got a crap live version of it, but at least the, uh, at least the recorded version is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. There would have been an opportunity to see Alanis do it live last year, but COVID happened. Um, she was due to come over here, I think, to, for the 25th anniversary That'd of Jagged Pill. I'd like yeah. to go to that if it gets rescheduled. I don't think she was over here before she had to cancel. Um, but yeah, would have been good. Yeah. But again, it's like... I guess, yeah. It's just that sort of age-old thing of... It would be quite difficult as a musician to have to trot out your hits every single show as you age away from, like, the space you were in when you wrote them. Yeah. Like, the same as, like, how Paramore, like, they just don't sing Misery Business anymore because it's slut-shamey. Yeah. So, like, rightfully so, but everyone's like, oh, what about Miss Biz? Like... They have other songs. They do. Yeah. You can listen to those. You can listen to Misery Business at home. It's Uh, fine. Yeah. And in the meantime, we'll be listening to Hayley Williams. Yes. For next, next week's well, episode. Well, next week it will be featuring Hayley Williams. Mm. Um, so next week's song... Is Stay the Night by Zed featuring Hayley Williams as covered by... State Champs. Sick. I was thinking if the crowd really wants to hear Misery Business, they should just have the instrumentals and Hayley Williams should just point the microphone at the crowd and they can sing it. True. And Machine Gun Kelly also did that decent cover of it he did that was a decent cover mm-hmm. cool um i just want to say before we finish you know looking forward to the new year yeah and um look if you're listening to this if you're getting a little bit of comfort from uh washington dc at the moment stay safe yeah. look after yourself uh, it's not you know things aren't great at the moment there but you know hopefully things are getting a little bit better um but yeah, just just look after yourself and be good to one another. Yeah. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. good. Well, until next time. Bye. Bye.